You seem hungry. Good thing your table is ready with Fatterday Omaha. Fatterday Omaha. Eat this. Hey, this is Dave with Fatterday Omaha, and I am sitting here in the KIOS studios with Jared Eaker of Otilly Butchers. Jared, how are you? I'm good, man. I appreciate you uh, you asking me up here. Well, well, the first time that that I had encountered your chorizo, I think specifically, I think was in a Wonton John's burrito. Oh yeah. And I think I've also had it at Sunnyside on Center. I know Wonton Sunnyside, for sure. Yeah. So John, actually, we used to both work at a place called No More Empty Pots. If oh yeah, with them. for so sure. That's where we kind of got started at. Yeah. But I was at No More Empty Pots for almost three years before moving to Lincoln. So oh wow, that's where I met John. And honestly, I met a ton of people there, like people that have, you know, awesome businesses now that, yeah. you know, I met there and, you know, we were mostly doing a lot of you know, farmer's markets and stuff like that. Um, and I know a lot of these other businesses like John with his um, food truck and, you know, other friends of mine that mostly did like farmer's markets and stuff. It was a great little hub to, to kick things off. And like I said, I met a ton of people that were just kind of like getting started there, you know, yeah, figuring it out. And now they're like, off doing great stuff. Like my friend Kate, who does, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Carter and Rye. Absolutely. So she started there. We worked together for a long time. It was a really great space with just a lot of, a lot of talent. I know um, Bryce, if you're familiar with Bryce Colton, he did a French bulldog. Oh, sure. Okay. He was like an instructor there for a while. I don't know. It was just like, I I just had the, the fortune of just falling into all these like really awesome people. Right. And just getting to like hang out and talk food and, you know, sample their stuff. And yeah. And now we're all kind of off doing our own things. And, uh, it's really fun. So how did you land there in the first place or didn't, you know, do you have a, a background in, you know, restaurants and hospitality and food before this or like what's the genesis of how do you end up at No More Empty Pots? <laughs> no. So I, yeah, I do have a, a background in food. So when I was growing up to, to really dial it back, yeah. I grew up on a, on a family farm, you know, kind of right outside of, of Norfolk, if you're yeah. at all familiar with that area. You bet. I loved it, man. It was a great, great childhood I think I appreciate it more now as an adult, you know, when sure. I was a kid, I, I had my, my days where I was like, it's not fair, you know, heat of the summer, working, Hard working. all my friends are going to the pool, but, uh, you know, it was a great childhood. It was a large, like family farm. It was, um, my grandparents, my dad, his brother, his two sisters, and we all had houses out there you know, surrounding the farm. And then we all worked on it together. You know, me, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. Like, oh, wow. So a pretty, you know, good size operation. And we we grew a lot of produce, kind of our main thing, sweet corn, watermelons, you know, pumpkins in the fall. Had a little farmer's market stand. You know, we had, we did raise animals like beef cattle and stuff, but that wasn't like the main, you know, our main thing. Sure. But having that, you know, upbringing really just kind of watching everything sort of from the ground up from start to finish like you know? literal ground up yeah yeah and yeah. like you don't realize it for what it is when you're in the moment you're just like oh this is how it is right and then you right. get out into the world and i look back now and just think about you know being able to watch that draw out right in front of me is was something that really had an impact on me and we sold a lot to you know little local grocery stores and stuff and so my dad, I remember, you know, going tagging along with him a lot to go sell to, 
you know, produce managers and eventually landed me a job when I was in, you know, high school working at a Hy-Vee there in town as a produce boy. Sure. You know, and just kind of started building that relationship with, uh, you know, customer service, hospitality side of things. Went to college at UNL, sort of chasing a an engineering degree for no particular reason. Uh, <laughs> what was, was your engineering discipline? Dr. I was an industrial engineer. So I got accepted Ooh. into the industrial engineering program and I took a uh, one CAD class. Okay. So like yeah. drafting. Oh yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. And I got, I think like a few days into it and I was like, I hate this. You know, like, <laughs> I remember like I was trying to do the drafting and I was like, this is, I really dislike this. And I like talked to like an advisor or something and they were like, that's basically what you do. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. basically your job. So if you don't like that, you know, you should not pursue that. So I kind of did the whole uh, undecided, what am I going to do? Um, and then eventually ended up finding my way into the hospitality program there at UNL. Oh, right on. I don't think I even really knew that it existed. You know, I think it was a fairly newish program. Sure. And advisors sort of kind of pushed me into that based on my, you know, likes and my childhood. And yeah, I ended up graduating from there. Sort of through the process, you know, they kind of hook you up with internships and whatnot. I ended up working for the uh, Country Club of Lincoln. Okay. Managing the the dining room sort of area, scheduling staff and whatnot. And it was a good job. I really liked being there, met some really awesome people. I eventually ended up taking over a position there as like a sort of like an overall bar beverage manager. Okay. Kind of like purchasing and stuff too? Or yeah. Like, so okay. kind of a, this hybrid of like purchasing, you know, I think they had like five or six bars between like a lounge here, a lounge there, the main wedding oh, hall, wow. you know, like. Yeah. And there was this little awesome kind of leather armchair kind of lounge that was called Joe's Joe's Bar because this guy that had worked there for like 30, 30 or 40 years or something. Oh, wow. Um, so not just a clever name. It was actually yeah. Joe's Bar. <laughs> but so he decides to to finally retire, right? And they they offered me this position and it was like, whew, it was a lot, right? Because it was like my 20s at this point. Yeah. Stepping into this guy's shoes and you have all these, you know, country club uh, folk that have known nobody in that position but him. Right. right. And your name's not Joe either. So you're <laughs> like, oh, you know, new sheriff in town. Yeah. But it was great. I loved it. And I, so I took over that position doing kind of all the purchasing. And I also was the um, single bartender sort of guy that managed this little, this little lounge. Yeah. Um, and they gave me a ton of creative freedom when it come to like purchasing and also like, you know, I kind of got into like doing like craft cocktail stuff. Oh, wow. And, um, okay. Learn about wine and, and that. And um, I really loved doing that. And then I eventually decided to leave there and kind of push that wanting to learn, you know, that pursuit of knowledge to I moved out to Oregon, learning about wine and, oh, wow. and beverage and went and lived out there, worked out there, kind of. Didn't necessarily have a plan, just kind of taking a, a job here, a job there, you know, working for a vineyard and a cocktail bar. And I actually ended up working for a, a little organic vegetable farm, you know, through through that back in the oh, rain. Oh, yeah, putting I, the childhood, yeah. childhood school skills to use there, yeah. Well, because I wasn't quite, you know, it was like one of the classic, like, uh, oh, that's awesome. what am I going to do with my life sort of moments. Sure. And uh, I wasn't quite sure that I wanted to fully rule that out, you know, being a farmer and so it was a great opportunity, and that's actually where I stumbled into cutting meat. It was just kind of falling, you know, from um, working one place to another, and uh-huh. you know, a lot of the jobs were hyper seasonal. And um, ended up meeting a guy out there that was doing his own little solo butchering thing, and uh, yeah, helping him out. And 
obviously there's a lot more after that, but that's kind of the the genesis of how I really got going. Oh, wow. When you, when you started working on cutting meat, was there something that you're just like, really like, yeah, like that's where I want to be. When I look back and just look back at everything from, you know, being a kid to thinking I wanted to sit behind an office to make money and then realizing that definitely wasn't for me. Yeah. I think I was always just kind of drawn to doing something physical, working with my hands, being creative. There was definitely, you know, at the time I had just kind of offered to help, you know, like I met this guy at an event, um, you know, sort of did the classic, like, Oh, if you ever need a hand, you know, let me know. And, and he, you know, he was a, a real straightforward guy, a really nice guy, but, you know, told it, told it like it is. And he said, Oh yeah, if you want to come by, like, I'm happy to have your help. I can't, you know, can't give you a job, can't pay you, but you can come help all you want. (laughs) So the timing worked out great. At the time I was seasonal wise, I was only doing the bartending gig in the evenings. I wasn't doing any of the farming stuff or wine harvest. So I started going there in the, in the daytime and helping him out. And yeah, like you said, it was just kind of one of those, like, I'm in it, I'm doing it, and I just felt very connected to it. It felt like something that I really enjoyed, not only from like a physical level, but on a knowledge level, you know, because just the insane amount of knowledge. Like, you know, I felt like I could learn something about a particular cut, about a particular animal, and that would just be like one tiny little fragment of the massive pie. And then just that you can always improve, you know, it's not like a – once you do it once, that's it sort of thing. It's like, it's one of those jobs that there's not really ever like a, a stopping point. Cause you see some of right. these guys that are, you know, veterans that have been doing it their entire lives and you watch them break down an animal and it's like, it just is like seamless, you know? And they just seem like they just know exactly kind of where everything goes and, you know, they're not even breaking a, a sweat doing it. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just if, repetition. I, I really like what you said, too, about as you learn a little bit, you kind of start to realize how much more there is you don't know, uh, <laughs> no matter uh, how much you stack up, you know. Dude, I was so novice or whatever when I, when I started this. I sort of, like, went for the whole, like, Hail Mary, right? Like, yeah. I, I worked with this guy for a little while. I thought, to heck with it. I want to do my own thing, and I don't really have, like – years of experience under me but like i'll figure it out as i go yeah and i look back at some old photos i would put up right we got these you know cuts or whatever and they're so bad oh my gosh (laughs) you know at the time i was so proud that i think i even got them executed right yeah i remember just sweating struggling through uh breakdowns of pretty simple stuff that now is like you know takes me little to no time yeah i would be like if i spent half a day on it I would be like proud, right? Like I did it. I got it done. Right. And now it's the opposite. If I wasted a half day on that, I'd be like, what was I, <laughs> what was I doing? You know, it's like a playing an instrument or something, right? Like sure. the more you do it, the more it just becomes a natural sort of rhythm and you just get uh, quicker and faster and more efficient at it every, every time. Well, so after you got that initial experience, so was that like, did you just get to a point where you're like, aha, I'm heading back to Nebraska and Omaha and I'm going to start a shop? It was kind of random. So, I mean, long story short, I, I met Zeph. It was like a bartender's retreat that was put on by Four Roses. Okay. A retreat for Roses. And it was like they just send a bunch of bartenders out into the woods and you get a bunch of free whiskey. And All right. Hey, oh, it was great. <laughs> I remember the bar. that I was very fortunate the guy that ran the bar I worked for was like 
kind of got into the early craft cocktail scene and was like one of the head members of like the bartenders guild or something. So, oh, wow. So, you know, he got a lot of invites to these type of things. Cause I was like, I was, I was good, but I wasn't great. You know? sure. and, and they're like, do you want to go to this thing with all these great bartenders and just go hang out? I was like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's where I met Zeph. Um, he was doing like a whole big pig roast sort of thing. Right. They hired him to come out there and like cook a whole pig and wow. Yeah, so I started just helping him out, and I think I got to a point where I felt like I was either going to, A, have to, like, stop that and stop the bartending thing and find, like, a full-time meat job, uh-huh. you know, just being, like, a line, you know, cutting guy, or go the absolutely crazy route, which I did, and just start <laughs> my own thing and just really, like, with a small bit of experience, just start, you know my own business and start breaking down um, pigs mostly is what I started on and see how it goes. And and it worked out. I mean, I was very fortunate that I had some great people, you know, in my side that helped with, you know, getting things off the ground, like from an investment standpoint, yeah. just a lot of people that believed in me and had faith, you know, when I was saying, Hey, uh, I'm thinking about starting my own business, you know, selling meat. Um, and everyone was like, do it, you know, like not, no That's one awesome. really said, uh, are you sure your limited amount of, you know, experience that you want to do that, they, everyone just said, yeah, go for it. If you're passionate about it, like, we'll, we'll follow you. you How know? cool and, is that? Yeah. I mean, my wife, especially, she was like, we met in college in Lincoln. So I moved out to Oregon, actually lived out there before. And then she came out there. I think she had only lived there like a like year. And I was like, we're moving back. <laughs> so it's like I just got here. Oh, I know. So <laughs> she's just been nothing but supportive. Like when I just said, Aww. like, I think I'm going to start my own business. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So the, the name of the business, Otili, is actually my wife's uh, middle name. Ah, gotcha. That's super cool. Thanks. That's very, very cool. Yeah, so so you're supporting supporting her then through the name of the businesses as yeah. well. So yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of a nod on multiple directions, not only to her and just, you know, the love I have for her and yeah. you know, her support, but also um I actually grew up with three sisters, uh, no brothers. So, you know, I just always had such a strong supportive group of females in my life. And yeah. so I, I feel like when I started the business, not only um as a nod to my wife, but I kinda wanted to give it like a feminine name because I feel like looking at most meat shops uh-huh. they're like not only masculine but like some really like the knife's edge exactly <laughs> like yeah the cleave the the cleaver <laughs> like it's just it's always like some very like oh and you know what's funny about that is most of the time like i have a lot of women that are customers right yeah you know i get a lot of guys that are like oh i love meat and i want to come in and buy some good meats but like i would say the overwhelming proportion of my customers are women that you know are buying you know, food for the family or like, you know, like, oh, my husband loves smoking meats and I want to come by. I don't know. So like, I just feel like everything revolving around meat, whether it's like a restaurant, like maybe a barbecue place or like a meat shop is always like, so like machissimo. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I always felt drawn to like naming it something more feminine. You know, you're talking about breaking down things and, you know, knife cuts and. and Oh, and there's some kick. Sorry. I don't, I'm, I swear a lot sometimes, but there's some kick like female butchers out there that would put me to shame. Like, Oh yeah. Like I watch some videos online of people that I follow and I'm just like, that makes me look like I know absolutely nothing. Well, I was just thinking too, like there's that, that saying that, uh, smooth is fast or whatever, you know, the thing is with your knife cuts and things are your, your accuracy and something like a tenderloin or I don't know, you don't want to wreck it. It needs to look 
nice yeah. when you're done, <laughs> you know? So, you know, if you're cow crusher butchery, that's oh, yeah. not what you're going for. Well, and honestly, it's the knowledge and just the precision is will always do way more for you than speed. You know, I remember yeah. when I first started being really kind of uh, not only frustrated at myself, but just like I had wanted to hold myself to higher expectations and I wanted to be faster, right? And I don't remember who specifically I talked to, whether it was a bunch of different people or just, you know, but everyone just kind of said the same thing. They just said, oh, speed will come. You know, like the speed comes later. You learn the natural sort of, you know, curves of like where different bones or muscle lies. And, you know, before when I would be cutting, I would be thinking like I have to go here. And now I'm just doing it without thinking that, you know, because I've done it so much, right? And so you, you just... The more efficient you become, the faster you become. So it's like the speed isn't really the goal or it shouldn't be the goal because you end up, yeah, like you said, like destroying stuff in the midst of it. Bones are unforgiving. If you're like, I have to cut right here and there's a bone there, it's like you will not be cutting. (laughs) (laughs) Not today. No matter how hard you try, no matter how many knives you dole up, (laughs) you will not be making this cut. I haven't been in the shop. I have enjoyed the chorizo, like I said, in that Wonton John's burrito, which was delicious. But uh, what is the range of things that Otilly sells? Um, so just recently, I really kind of expanded it a lot. When we first started, um, it was primarily just pork. Okay. Um, more for the sense of that's just really what I got a lot of my original experience in. Sure. And beef is everywhere, right? right like right. if you want a good cut of beef, you either know someone that raises cattle or you know of about a handful of businesses where you can go get it. Sure. So for me, I wanted to kind of start with pork because, you know, not only did I have experience with it and felt comfortable with it, but it was, you know, different and, yeah. and unique. So now we do um, beef, pork, poultry, bison. I don't necessarily cut like all that myself. Uh-huh. Um, I'm still cutting a lot of pork, but, you know, our shop space is so small right now that I just I go through a lot of co-packers basically, right? So okay. we're working with farmers that then send the animals to a larger packer that's then cutting them, packing them, sending them back to us, uh-huh. you know, sort of like that. Um, and, you know, with poultry and stuff, it's I like selling more whole stuff, whole birds and whatnot. Um, a lot of that just comes down to, you know, working with different proteins, specifically chicken fabrication and beef and um, pork. They get a little bit fickle when it comes to like uh, legal stuff. Well, yeah, especially like poultry. Isn't there yeah. a thing where like if it's grown in Nebraska, you can't sell it in Iowa? There's like a whole state line thing or yeah. something like that. I, yeah, yeah. So just based on what I'm doing now, I try to, you know, not get too heavily involved in all that. You know, I just sure. kind of have. Um, so, but yeah, we do. Basically, all those different things. Pork, I would still say, is leaps and bounds above everything else that we sell. Um, yeah. Really, sausage, specifically over the last, like, two years, has really, like, become, like, the main thing. Like, the staple, you know, kind of like what we're, not only that we're known for, but, like, right. that I'm the most proud of. It Sausage is one of those crazy things that, like, we've been kind of discussing over and over. Like, with cutting meat, you know, a lot of it's just about repetition and and practice, but sausage really gives you like a lot of the creative side. Right? Sure, because like, now you're so into many seasonings. And, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Seasonings and you know just making little tweaks and adjustments, and you know um, then you can go down the rabbit hole of like all the 
different regions. And, you know, I think Italy has like a zillion alone. And then you get into like those Eastern European ones and it's like all in. It's just one of those things that it just is another book that seems to never end. And we don't do a lot of like dry cured stuff like salamis and stuff. Most of it is, you know, fresh sausages. Yeah. And yeah, I just love doing it. You know, that's kind of really where things have turned for us lately is just kind of we have all the options because I want to have all the options, but sure. sausages is, is sort of becoming the king. I'm glad you said that. I was really curious about the the sausage making and, you know, what does it take to make a sausage? And then what does it take to design one or what's your process on what do I season it with or, or what grind size yeah, do I yeah. use or what oh. casing do I use? Or, speak, speak to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're speaking my language. No, it's it seems to be one of those things that like there's so much information on it and there's so much you can learn that I'm like always finding out some new trick or some new something, right? Yeah. Like I'm a big like proponent of, you know, if I see someone online like Instagram or something that I'm just like super jealous of, like they're they just seem to have, you know, I'll reach out to them and just be like, "Hey, I don't want to be like too much, but like Tell me about your process because I'm always trying to <clears throat> improve mine like even a little because I get so – I'm such a hypercritical of myself, right? Sure. I'll make a sausage and you know, I'll be like, oh, that's pretty good, you know, and like and then I'll someone be like, oh, it was great. And then I'm like, eh, was it great? Like I don't know. <laughs> and I honestly – when I am like with a group of people, yeah. my family, and they're like, we're going to eat your stuff, I hate it. Because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be there. Oh, because you're right next to it. Oh, yeah. It's like gives me the most anxiety because I, I'm like always just like watching them like a hawk. I'm like, why didn't they Why didn't they eat it? Did they not like it? And I, I'm like, oh, it's like it gives me so much. And people are always laughing because they're like, you should enjoy it. You should be proud of it. I'm like, I am proud of it. But also at the same time, like I just am overcritical to like a crazy extent. I mean, first of all, it's your, it's your business. It's your craft. You're creating – Something that is greater than the whole of its parts, its individual ingredients, and you want it to be perfect and you want it to be tasty. And I've been going down a a pizza journey lately trying to make some good pizzas and things like that. And it's so hard not to every time you serve something to go, how was it? Too salty, whatever, whatever. And you're always finding like the fault, right? Oh, man. And as you're sending the pizza out, you're like seeing the one little tiny like mistake, the odds that's going out the door. Like, oh, I forgot that one little the corner. <laughs> and, and my problem, I think, is probably annoying my family with asking, how, how was it? Are you sure? It was oh, yeah. okay. It's like, if I can just tune in and go, is the plate clear after I handed it to them? Yep. That, that's always helpful. But uh, you're serving your product to somebody very close to you and you want them to enjoy it. And you like, was it the best? Really? You know, oh, yeah. so. Luckily, I, my, my family is all pretty uh, straightforward. So they're, <laughs> they're like the type is like, well, it's not my favorite one. And I'm like, all right, you know, like. Um, the process itself though, not to get like too specific, but it, yeah. it has so many, and I think that's another reason why I'm so drawn to it is it has so many moving parts, like not only the seasonings, but there's like fat ratio, right? So like, you know, that's a huge thing. Some people are big proponents of more fat, some are less fat. So it's like 80, 20 or like 75, 25. Some people are even like 60, 40. We love the fat. Yeah. And cause you know, the fat carries the flavor, it carries the moisture, um, and then you're dealing with things like grind size, right? Like how fine do you grind it? How coarse do you grind it? 
you know, liquid, like what are you adding for your liquid? Like you're just going for water, you know, not only the spices and the seasonings, but that's really what separates the sausage from like a burger patty, right? Is is the liquid and the mixing element, right? You know, obviously in my world at least, but beef sausage is a big thing. But in my world, that's a lot of pork. But if you were to relate it to beef, like – you can add a whole mess of seasonings and spices to a beef patty and run and grind it, you know, and, and patty it up. And I wouldn't necessarily call that sausage. I would call that like more of like a burger, right? Seasoned burger of yeah, some type. So yeah. Like it's the, it's the liquid and the mixing to get that specific texture. There's a very specific texture that you're going for where it's almost like tacky, like it's almost like sticky. Yeah. Um, that's really what makes like, what it is yeah because you can't have one where everything just falls apart yes I mean, right if you or something ground, that's so dense i mean if you just ran like you know some grind through grinder and then just stuffed it in a casing yeah it would just fall apart the fat would break because when you're mixing it and you're grinding it that particular texture that you're going for is a lot about like the emulsification right so yeah. you want the fat and the lean basically to be like emulsified enough that you're like get all that flavor and moisture locked in um and if you overwork it it can break like you would break a sauce yeah so like when you go to cook it you end up with just this massive pool of fat in your pan right and a dry like super crumbly sausage and the same if you underwork it like if you were to just grind it through not really add any moisture not mix it stuff it in a casing yeah it would be like cooking like a like a burger patty it would just like you know, break out. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out because that's that was, you just nailed a question I was going to ask, which was making sure that you design the sausage such that it survives the cooking process oh, and yeah. is still good because the proteins and the density and it, all these things are going to change through heat. I totally didn't even think about the moisture component. If yeah, you had that's just... That's a huge one. Yeah. If you had just asked me and you're like, Hey David, you know, how do you make a sausage? I'm like, well, I, I think you grind some, some meat and get some spices and do some type of blending and put it together. But the moisture component, I didn't even think yeah. about that. The moisture and the mixing, like I've, I've always mixed by hand and I'm at the point now where I'm doing so much sausage that I'm like, I need to buy like an actual mixing machine. Cause yeah. like my arms are like <laughs> hating me. You really have to go shoot for a specific, you know, amount of mixing to get that texture. And yeah. And temperature too. So like if you grind too warm, it goes through this whole process called smearing, which is basically like oh. your meat and your fat emulsify kind of smear together, but not in like a good way. Oh. They kind of turn into this like paste, this kind of like pinky paste. Um, and that will do basically like we talked about when you cook it, it will like leach a lot of fat out and just end up kind of dry and crumbly. So with sausage, the best way to do it is to almost grind it like – what they call like par frozen. Okay. So you're like almost getting your grindable pieces to the point where they're like kind of starting to freeze. Yeah. And then you run them through the grinder that way because it keeps the fat the most intact. Yeah. So that when you mix it together, it doesn't like smear up like that. And it's um, going to heat as you grind, as yeah. you mix. And so it's going to start warming up there. Yeah. So there's just, I mean, it's so technical, like from all the levels of, you know, ratios, you know, when it comes to spices to, you know, temperature of grinding and mixing to, you know, amount of liquid to, you know, how long do you mix it? Then you get into the stuffing process of specific sizes with stuffing and on all that jazz. And we don't do, we do a lot of fresh stuff. So we don't do a lot of like smoked sausages or you know, ones that are like pre-cooked, like boiled or whatever. Yeah. And that's just a whole other layer of specifics. So 
I think sausage sometimes is a you know seen as more of like a humble kind of maybe peasant thing, but oh my gosh, it is like so technical and has so many layers. When you from yeah. start to finish can put together a great sausage, you're like, there's a lot of points in there that something you know could have went wrong and uh, turn out good. So yeah, and and you know especially for your shop, being able to do that over and over again at scale. So when somebody bought something two weeks ago and comes back in and wants the same oh, thing, yeah. they, they get the same thing again or really close. That's got to yeah. be tough. It has its challenges and it's, you know, you get your ratios right and stuff. It's it's pretty good, especially yeah. if you're kind of working with the same, you know, pork, you know, what, what animals you choose to work with drastically as well changes the ratios, right? So like we're getting a lot of like our whole pigs from uh, TD Niche Farms. So you know, these are a lot fattier pigs, mm, you know, they're okay. like heritage breed, you know, like raised in a way that they get a lot more like, not only like fat, like a back fat, so like cap fat, but like uh -huh. intramuscular fat. And so, you know, versus just like your classic, like commodity pig, right? Right. Like, where they grow them real much fast. Leaner, and, yeah. And yeah. so, and just the structure of the, the meat and the, the fat is a lot different. This fat, you know, is very soft, it's very white. Um, so it's not just like a recipe card that you're just like, here you go, add your <laughs> stuff. Like it, it can change in so many ways. Um, yeah. In a way that's, that's why I really like it because I feel like no matter how hard I try, like it just keeps testing me. And like to the point some days where I'm just so stressed, but it's like, it can be great one day and awful the next. And you know, it's just keeps you. So you're telling me you are an engineer. The product and the materials a are a little engineer. different. Yes, <laughs> yes, because there's definitely you've got science and ratios, and and there's a lot of science happening there. You know, and much like the moisture thing, I think that's really cool too about the you know not only does this thing have to work in the preparation process, but it has to survive cooking and come out the other side because yeah. you know something like a steak, you you cut a really nice ribeye, well. As long as, you know, you're going to put it on the heat, you know what happens as yeah. long as you put it on the heat, right? Sausage, and then you've got to make sure your casing holds up so it yeah, doesn't, right. like, explode or anything, right, too? I know. And then sausage, too, like, versus, like, a, a cut, like a steak or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like a whole muscle cut. People are more okay with that being a little undercooked, but some people are real freaked out about oh, sausage, yeah. you know, being undercooked. So, like, people will just overcook it to, like, a crazy amount, right? So then you're, like, always kind of dealing with... You don't want to tell people like how to cook their food, but you're like, sure. oh, don't, don't rush it because, you know, especially with the ones we do, like they're very, they're very fresh on the scale of like, they don't have a lot of like additional stuff in them to like help them stay. Right. You're not super. packing them with preservatives and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So and, it's like, yeah. if you, if you overdo it, if too much heat, whatever, overcook it and it kind of breaks out, like you said, bust open, you lose all that moisture, like you're yep. screwed at uh, you're that You're done. <laughs> so yep. it's like, you don't want to tell someone how to, how to cook something, but, uh, well, you know, that's a, been a big struggle for us is like finding ways to, to keep it, you know, that you can cook it and then possibly reheat it and like yeah. not lose a lot of that because, you know, I won't say names, but there's some, you know, commodity classic brats out there that sure. everyone can like throw on the grill and like absolutely incinerate and then you can like throw them in the microwave the next day yeah. and they're still like ridiculously juicy <laughs> right and you're like how is this and then you know you look at the back of the label and there's like a hundred <laughs> ingredients and you know that's for a reason right so it's like they're keeping all that moisture and all that flavor in no matter what you do no um, what so you're kind of trying to to get to that point as best you can without having to add all that 
do you usually use like a natural casing or synthetic casing or both depending on the sausage or we pretty much only use natural okay um i've kind of dabbled with using like synthetic ones um those are a little bit better when you're doing something like smoked or whatever yeah like you're doing like a like a cellulose or like a fibrous casing you know like a snack stick or something like that like you want something like that versus uh, a natural one. But for what we're doing, we pretty much always doing fresh. Okay. So for a natural casing sausage, those need to be cooked because they're not pre-cooked. We're not, you know, smoking them. We're not curing them. How do you like to cook them? My favorite way that I always tell people is honestly in the oven, but I like to add an element of like cast iron because you're getting all that contained heat, not the direct flame like a grill, Uh but you get the sear, right? Yeah. Because like people will be like, oh, I love cooking stuff in the oven because it's easy and I'll have grease flying everywhere. I just put it on a pan and throw it in the oven and that will get you there, but you don't get that nice like hard sear. Sure. So what I like to do is throw like a cast iron in the oven, you know, preheat the oven up to like 400 get the pan nice and hot and then kind of drop it down, you know, three, 350, whatever. Yeah. And then you can basically just throw your, your brat right in there, you know, do like 10 minutes on each side. It gets that nice brown, you know, caramelization. Yeah. But being in the oven and not having direct heat, like a flame, it locks in all the moisture. That's my preferred way. I mean, I'm a sucker for throwing them on, you know, grilling outside. Sure. But it's human nature to just be like, put it in the flame, right? You, just, you <laughs> want to do it. Like something in your brain, put it in the flame. And you're like, no, put it off to the side. And let it. But even I'm guilty of that. I'm like, oh, too bad. <laughs> just to be clear, uh, this show, nor nothing else, has been sanctioned by the Food and Drug Administration Center for official temperatures or anything like that. Do you yourself have a preferred temperature that you look for to make sure that it is A, done, but B, not a brick of charcoal? You know, they'll say like 165 is like the ideal, like safe temperature, right? I'll pull them before then just because I, I trust, you know, the the meat that's gone into it. Sure. Um, and, you know, everything, depending on if you leave them on the cast iron and you know, just pull it out of the oven and let it sit, or you take them off and put them on a plate, like most things rise, you know, five degrees or Rilo so. carry over heat, yeah. So yeah. I'm always a sucker, and I know it's hard for sausage because people are really wary about it, but to do it a little under because I want it to be juicy rather than overcooked. Yeah. So, yeah. As far as your your preparation of said sausages, so you put all this time, you get these awesome ingredients and put them all together and spend your time on fat ratios and moisture content and make sure they're cooking correctly. Does it make you sad if anybody puts ketchup on them, or is that okay? Oh, no. You can do whatever you want. I'm I'm not a big ketchup fan. I'm just like I like mustard. I like onions, and you know that's like plenty for me. Um, yeah. But we do a lot of like different, you know, unique types. You know, we do your classics uh, like you know beer brats and whatnot. But we do some fun like Spanish style ones and stuff that honestly like they're better like with other stuff, right? Gotcha. Like we do yeah. like a kind of a longanisa style one that I'm like, oh, it's a great like paella type sausage or we do this uh, one that's an Argentinian style chorizo which is a a chorizo in respect of what it is but it's not like this has like almost no heat to it it's not spicy so oh, it's, sure. it's just like a it's fresh garlic and red wine and black pepper Ooh. and that's that's really basically it wow but the sausage itself is kind of meant for and I, and I may be wrong in saying this but it was like created for this Argentinian street food called churipan okay it's fantastic, man. Like in the summertime, awesome. when you just grill one of those on the grill, just get like a nice roll, some fresh chimichurri on top. It's like 
is killer. Like it's one of my absolute favorite things. So that sounds great. So yeah, that's the thing is like each one, you know, can you, there's so much you can do with it. I think sometimes too with sausage in particular, it's like yeah. you know we're kind of uh, just used to the classic like ketchup and mustard, but sure. And there are some you know great flavors for that that like oh yeah, don't mess it up by putting too much on it. Like just you know if you're gonna have like a classic German beer brat like kraut mustard keep Done. it simple yeah but then there's some other ones that i'm like oh yeah you should do this 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 and you know kind of really spice it up we did a some fun like lamb ones and stuff this last fall you can do a lot with it that's why i think it's fun to to sell it because people are always like what do i do with this you know like yeah you, you know i'll have five or six different types on the menu board and people will say oh that one sounds really good but like what would i do with it and i'm right. like oh well, let me tell you. Let me right? tell you. Like, there's options. Do, do you do you get inspiration from any place? Or are you just constantly combing the interwebs and books and things looking for, you know, different types of sausages to make? Yeah, kind of a mix. I mean, you know, a lot of books, a lot of recipe books, you know, following a lot of people online. And then, yeah. you know, the process that I'll usually go through, like say I'm mimicking a classic flavor like the Argentinian chorizo, for example. Yeah. I like to, you know, really kind of comb through a lot of recipes, you know, sort of find the uh, the commonalities, right? Sure. So like, all right, if I'm going to sit down and look at all these recipes, say like 20 recipes, they all had X, X, and X. So like, you know, those are like the ones that got to be there. People get really like specific, like Puritan, right? Like they got to have this and this and not nothing else. And then there's people who are like, I like to throw a little allspice in there. And, like, <laughs> and, and that's what makes it so fun is because, you know, I'll read, say, 20 recipes and I'll figure out, okay, here's the commonalities. It seems to be like you got to have these, but then, like, some people throw this in, some people throw that in. Then that's when I get to play with, like, how do I want it to be, right? Yeah. Like, I think if I want it to be, like, personal to me, I would have, you know, the stuff you got to have, but I would like to really, like, dial this flavor up a lot. I'm going to, like, crank up the black pepper because I think, and I'm going to add this or, you know, I do that for like more, you know, recipes that you like, you know, they're out there. You're like kielbasa, whatever. Sure. But then sometimes we just do weird stuff and it works out. Like we did one that was like called the Cubano sausage. And honestly, like when I did it, I was like, I don't know. You know, I was very like, huh? Yeah. Who knows? As soon as I made it, like everyone was like, I love that. And like people are always asking about it, right? Like when are you doing the Cubano again? Because it's like, it's like a Cuban sandwich. So it's nice. Like, a sausage and it's got Swiss cheese cubes in it and dill pickle that we like grind in there. Whoa. And then the spices are just kind of like classic like Mexican spices. Like it's got like cumin and coriander and garlic and orange peel to kind of mimic that like orange sort of like pork that are, you know, yeah. classic. And that one was just like for fun, right? That's awesome. So, you know, that that was like a wild hair that I did, but there's people out there that are doing even like, you know, super intense stuff. You get these people that are doing like beet in the sausage, not like a beet-based one, but like a beet yeah. sausage, and they're like purple, right? Like just oh wow, bright purple and all sorts of you know, free, you can go fruit in there. Wow, it gets wild. That's cool, and I love the fact that you're able to, you know, express yourself through your food and just kind of tune what you're doing to your whims. And that's really cool, taking the cross section of different recipes. Going okay, if I'm going to call it a chorizo it probably should be kind of like this oh yeah and then we can amp it up or change it or, or twist it to however we we want it to be yeah i mean like with a lot of things like you you're doing pizza right like you always have to unless you just like are like i'm just gonna go crazy like you always have to pay like homage to like 
the yeah, classic, right? You bet. Like you're like if you're gonna do like a classic style of pizza, like you've gotta have your basics. You know this is there and this is there. Right. But then you can get a little crazy after that and like what makes it David's, right? Like what makes it different? Like right. when I come to get pizza from you, like what makes me walk away and be like, Oh, that's specifically you. Right. But you can't just do that from the start. And I know a lot of people do that like you know, with food in general, you know, they just get overly creative and doing a million different things. And I think I enjoy this a lot too, because of the simplicity of it, you know, like it's creative, but it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be like so much, you know, like I'm amazed and enamored at like the real chefy chef people, you know, with the the tweezers and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super. And they put these flavors together that I'm like, what? And, but that's not me. You know, like that's not, I just, I can't conceptualize that. So with the sausage, like it's such a simple thing and I I love it for that. You don't really have to do much more than this, this, and this to make that. You call it one thing sausage, but you can have so many different flavor combinations, so many different styles. You could probably change the grind size on the same sausage and it's going to eat differently or cook differently or, or those type of things. And so your conveyance of food is simple, but what you pack within can be complex as you want it to be or powerful as you want it to be or as mild as you want it to be, which is cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And like the recipes, which I'm always like telling myself, I should I'm like, I should digitalize these because I just have them like all like scratched down by hand, right? And I'm like, oh, I'll lose this to a fire and never be able to find them again. <laughs> oh, no. But no, the recipes that I have, I have some old ones that I wrote down years ago. And then I have like their current versions and they change so much. Even, oh, right? cool. Like the chorizo, like I used to do that one totally different. Yeah. And like throughout the years, uh, I'm just not happy with it. Like I'm happy, I guess, but I'm not like 100% happy. So I like you. tweak it, right? Like I don't, I think it's too spicy or like I think... This element that I've always added, like, I don't think I need it. So it's changed, like, you know, every X amount of years, I, I try to always kind of look back at the recipes and just say, yeah. like, am I happy with this? Or, like, can I adjust? So they're always kind of evolving as it goes. That's so cool. Is there is there anything new that you're working on or researching or anything right now? So we do this little, like, uh, club thing. We call it, like, Sausage of the Month Club. Cool. And it's a fun thing for me because people sign up. It's like a prepaid thing. And then um, I get to try out some new flavors and I kind of use it as that, right? Yeah. You join this club. Not only will you get a lot of our like classic stuff, but like you'll get some new stuff that we might even not release to the public like retail. It might just go to you because you're kind of our, you know, guinea pig per se, like kick it out to them. And then next time they come back to pick up their next month, I'm like, what'd you think of this? Or, you know, and so yeah, I've always got a never ending list of like ones that I want to try. You know, I, I really, really want to do like a classic, like curry verse, you know, and oh, cool. that's kind of been on my docket for a while. And um, kind of these old, like there's a lot of like Norwegian kind of like Swedish ones that are like, I really want to try. And uh, it's just, so the list, the oh, list yes. goes on, but uh, that's that's killer. Well, and you can be as uh, I, I was going to say boring. That's not the right word. Same Z's as always, I guess, or as crazy and exciting, and do a whole bunch of stuff if you want to. It's up to you. So that's that's very cool. Yeah, and it's fun to like do something different and have someone come back and be like, 
that was excellent. I really liked it. Like, you should keep that one. Like, I like it a lot, right? Because, you know, some of them I'm not really super sure of. Like, some sure. of them I just kind of like, eh. Yeah. It's, a, it's good. Like, I like it. I'm glad I tried it out. And then you get, like, four or five people that are like, that was my favorite. And it, there you go. There it is. When I first started, I don't want to use, like, the word. I wasn't, like, pretentious, but I was, like, kind of pretentious a little bit. <laughs> where I, like, wanted to be, like, creative to an extent where I was, like, trying to think of all these creative flavors. But yeah. I wasn't really, like, locking down any of, like, the classics. Ah. And we would be selling at, like, Farmer's Market and people would say, where are the beer brats? Where are the jalapeno cheddar? And I was like, oh, we don't do those, you know. And then finally I had a point where I was like, why am I avoiding those, right? Like, why am I avoiding, like, the classics? Like, I should do them, yeah. but I should do them, like, the way I want to do them. Super well, the Otili standard. And those right? are yeah. the ones that, like, have really taken off that they are what you expect them to be, but they're, yeah. like, different, right? There's just some things that you just can't, like, not do. Like, you can't, like, you know, everyone loves a good jalapeno cheddar broth. So for a while there, yeah, I was like, I'm going to do just all these crazy flavors. And finally I had a come to jesus moment and <laughs> you feel like wait a it's minute like, do the do the stuff that the people want because it doesn't all have to be the same you know stuff that you can get anywhere like even a, a classic beer brought or something can be so unique so well and you know billion different beers if you're gonna beer brought or know. you know and then things I, and i've tried desperately to do an ipa brought because i love ipas yeah and I've still not locked it down. There's just something weird in the cooking process where it just gets, like, so bitter. Oh, just too hoppy and something happens. Yeah. So it always, like, has such a great aroma and, like, everything when I'm making it is, like, this is going to be epic. And then I try it and I'm, like, it's just not there. So, yes, like oh. you said, with the beers, I'm, like, there's so many different beers, but there's there's some types that just get you. And that's cool that, you know, also focusing on the classics there too, so that if somebody comes and sees you, they're getting something different than some other shop. And and not to say that the other shops also isn't good, but you're not making the same thing. So yeah. you can, you know, you can get something that is oh, uniquely yeah. yours. I feel like there's this kind of fake notion or like false, I guess, notion that people think like more competition is bad. But mm -hmm. it's like if someone comes into the shop and talks to me and they're like, hey, I'm thinking about starting my own sausage shop i'm like please do it right because like yeah. we need as many as possible it's like we need people in every neighborhood with yeah. their own little shop you know that you can like you said like you can go to david's shop and have one type and then you can come to jared's and try it and they're different right. yeah i think it's like this whole mindset of like oh we just have like four or five really big things and just kind of do all the stuff like i'm more than happy to see people you know doing different sausages and stuff because that inspires me right absolutely like get a little inspiration off of each other and then you're like oh no like well this guy this gal's doing this like now i gotta step up my game and um yeah, right the more the merrier well, well yeah and you're bringing more knowledge into your your local food community and like you said then you have people to talk to and compare ideas with that are also experts in the field or learning in their learning process uh, and you get that going and that's good and, and that's the thing with like the barbecue community and things too, you know, people you know, might not be sharing their rib rub recipe, oh, no. but you know, they're going to be talking about, you know, how their cook went or whatever. And, and I've, I've just seen that before, before we started the show this evening, we were just kind of talking about, you know, the restaurant hospitality community being so supportive of each other, but you'll see restaurants or businesses eating at other restaurants and posting stuff on oh, theirs yeah. like hey you know and so that's just so cool that everybody's kind of rising tide lifts all boats i think is the phrase i guess but uh oh yeah, yeah just super it's cool like, 
someone calls me up and they're like, oh, do you have X, you know, or whatever, and I don't, I'm not just like, thanks for calling Click. Like, I'm usually like, well, you should reach out to this person, right? Like, nice. I when I started this, I was very fortunate to go up to Chad LeBeau, who's at Cure. Oh, yes. I love Cure. I was like, you bet. hey, you're doing this, and it's amazing. And, and I asked him a bunch of questions, and he was nothing but, like, harm so open. Like, That's he wasn't, awesome. like, guarded, like, oh, I can't tell you. He was like, this is what I do for this. This is what I do for this. And so anytime someone asks me, like, oh, do you have this? I'm like, I don't. But, like, if you're in, you know, say, for, say, the Omaha area, yeah, go up and see Chad or go see this person because they might have it or probably do. And, and vice versa. You know, I get people all the time that end up my way that are like, oh, I went to, you know, X grocery store. They, you know, I wanted this specific shank and they didn't have it. But they pointed me your way. It's great, man. Well, if if somebody needs to find you and purchase a sausage, purchase a cut of meat, <laughs> or has some questions about how on earth do I make sure my, my sausage that I'm cooking comes out tasty, where is the shop? Where's the best place to find you in the, the internets as well? Yeah, yeah. So we're on, you know, most of the social stuff, um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, at Otilly Butcher. And then we have a website, OtillyButcher.com. I try to be pretty consistent on the website. We have what's like an online case, so basically a virtual you know, representation of what we currently have in the shop. Typically what I'll do is, you know, have five fresh stuff throughout the week. I'll kind of leave that for people that are walking in. And then at the end of the week, you know, as we're getting ready to close up, um, putting stuff in the freezer, I'll throw it up there on the site. Um, and it's kind of a, just an e-commerce. You can go reserve. And, and it says all the way down. We don't have minimums. It's down to one singular thing. You know, you could cool. say David wants to reserve one pack of this sausage. Like, And we do, uh, you know, Lincoln, where we're based, you can come to the shop, pick it up, or we actually do Omaha uh, drop-offs to Hardy Coffee. Um, oh, yeah. Their Highlander location. So Nice. Yeah, so if you're in Omaha, you can pick up there every Friday, and then in Lincoln, you can come see us, and then we do, you know, quite a little handful of little pop-up events and stuff. We don't do any Good. farmer's markets. We used to. That was when we started. That was, like, all we did, right? Yeah. And I kind of got, like, farmer's marketed burnt out. <laughs> yeah. And the first year, we moved into a retail shop in Lincoln, and I didn't do them. I was like, I can, mm, get, used to, <laughs> I can yeah. get used to this. Well, Jared Eaker, thank you so much for joining us on the show and thank you for traveling all the way up here. And I, I really appreciate you being here. Absolutely, man. No, I appreciate you asking me. And yeah, this was a blast. Good deal, man. And I appreciate you. And we'll we'll kind of sign it off here. This is Dave Zorko with Fatterday Omaha. I have Jared Eager of Otilly Butcher. And until we eat again, stay hungry. Bye. Our show is recorded and produced by Fatterday Omaha. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well as email FatterdayOmaha at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and stay hungry. Saturday Omaha. Eat this.